right. Well, John, that's actually a good segue into uh, stock up and stock down. And each week following the game on the 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 early in the week podcast, following each of the games, John and I are going to do stock up, stock down. We'll do four of each. We'll go back and forth two a piece for us, stock up two a piece for us, stock down. Um, and I think the running game, John, you predicted Jeff Driscoll will be the leading rusher, which is a little surprising given the fact that you are the biggest truther when it comes to a guy who I, I'm not even going to put this one out there. I'm going to let you start with stock up, John, because I know this is a guy that you've got on your list because he is your favorite rookie other than Jalen Petrie on this team. So, John, the floor is yours. Stock up number one. That would be the player I predicted to rush for over 1,000 yards and be in the running for NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, and that would be Damon Pierce. Anybody watching that game, he was third back. Anybody who watched him saw that he brought a different dimension with the, the quick cuts, the acceleration, lowering his shoulder, running over a guy. And he's 218 pounds. He's not tall. That's what they list him. He might be 220. And uh, I thought he was tremendous. Five carries, 49 yards, 9.8. And they didn't have a, you know, a 45-yard run. So yeah. everybody likes Damian Pearson for a reason. And I think yesterday, uh, Sunday, Sean, after I talked to you on CBS, I tweeted, if he is not in the starting lineup, then the Texans will not be putting their best team on the field. And I think that's clear to everyone. Yeah, I think we saw it. I mean, it, it, five carries, 49 yards. And John, the thing you touched on there that I like the best is it wasn't five carries, 49 yards, and 46 of them came on one busted play. All five of those carries were positive yardage. I think his shortest carry might have been six yards. So he had the 20-yard carry that was his first carry of the game, which Clint Sterner said in the postgame show was the best run he's seen by a Texans running back since Carlos Hyde did anything in 2019. And I, I looked at him. I said, that's hyperbole, man. Come on. And then he's like, well, think of one, Chief. And I'm like, good, Clint. That's a good counterpoint because I can't think of one. You might be right about that. But every run that Damian Pierce had showed some element of why this team is so high on him and why he might wind up being a steal as a fourth-round pick. You saw in that 20-yard run, John, the ability to cut back against the grain when the blocking is all going to the right. He finds a hole to the left. A couple of those shorter runs, there was not very much daylight. He was able to find that. He's got great vision. He runs with great explosiveness. He's got good power when he finishes the runs. Um, I, I, uh, I was very, very uh, excited that's as excited about a running back with the Texans as I've been since Arian Foster, probably. I'll give you an example of a run better than that. Last year against the Chargers, Rex Burkhead had a great game with two or three good runs. And uh, it was because it's Rex Burkhead, people don't remember it. And, and he never did anything close to that uh, the rest of the time he played. But I think clearly Damian Pierce is faster, quicker than Marlon Mack. But uh, or Rex Burkhead, and uh, it's only a matter of time before he's in the lineup. But let's stick with uh, the rookies and stock up. So, with stock up number one is Damian Pierce. John, I'm probably stealing this one from you, but let's stick with the rookies. Damian Pierce might have been the best player offensively with the Texans. John Harris in the post game show on Saturday night when he was in with Clint Sterner and myself said the best defensive player on the field when he was out there was rookie safety Jalen Petrie from Baylor. Shocking. I would never have thought that. So those are your two guys, John. I, I feel like there, there, there's, a, there, there's a, a, a picture of the great trios in Houston sports, John McClain, Damian Pierce, and Jalen Petrie, the three horsemen. That's what I'm going to call you. Um, but Jalen Petrie was great, John. He was around the ball quite a bit. He had a tackle for loss. Um, the first series was tough for everybody. You know, Andy Dalton kind of walked down the field. 
Seth Payne brought it up this morning. He said it's hard to tell if that was any sort of miscommunication with, with uh, Petrie and his teammates or if that was just soft spots in the zone. But the bottom line is that Texan fans won preseason game in, and quite honestly, even more than Damian Pierce, this has been an off-season arc for Jalen Petrie, where from the time he set foot in the building, the upper management, Lovey Smith, Nick Casario, have had nothing but glowing things to say about him. And we saw that. It was great to see that in in practice, not in practice, but it was great. Great to see it in practice, but it was great to see it in in a in a uh, in a game situation on Saturday. The last two years when he was at Baylor, uh, and Dave Aranda came in and moved him a hybrid safety linebacker position. He was best around the line of scrimmage, not backed up in deep coverage. Although he's really smart and he recognizes things, diagnoses quick, breaks on the ball, but he's got a knack, Sean, for slipping blocks, staying low, and making tackles. He also blitzed a little at Baylor. Of course, they didn't call any blitzes in this game, and he covered slot receivers. And so when they hit him around the line of scrimmage, that was when he's best. And I noticed, too, when I went back and watched the replay, he made a couple special teams tackles, and and they didn't talk about that, but they had him on a lot of special teams. So it's pretty obvious Levy Smith's got big plans for Jalen Petrie on defense and special teams. All right, John, so we've got Damian Pierce, we got Jalen Petrie stock up. Give us our third stock up from the preseason win over the Saints. I'm torn uh, because there's several, especially on offense, but there are another, others on defense. But I got to go to the guy who made the best play of the game, Johnny Johnson the third, who came out of nowhere. I hadn't paid any attention to him in camp. You don't see him jumping up, making great plays like Jalen Camp and Nico Collins. But that, that catch on the last drive, 19 yards in which he, had, he spun three times, Reminded me of DeAndre Hopkins in that game in which he did that. And Cowboys. I thought he and he had and the game winning touchdown. So I'm giving my props. Johnny Johnson, third undrafted from Oregon. Yeah, I think you can probably throw Jalen Camp, put him in the same bucket with each other, John. The two headed, the two headed uh sixth wide receiver monster of Jalen Camp and, and Johnny Johnson. And I felt bad for Camp. Camp made a great catch on the, the other touchdown that Jeff Driscoll threw, the one-handed catch kind of in the, you know, where we're sitting in the press box, Tremendous. sort of in the near the near sideline. Um, he made a great catch there. I felt bad for Camp because the the second, though the third interception that Driscoll threw was underthrown, and Camp had broken free. Camp had gotten by his guy and was open by a few steps. And I think if it's any other quarterback on this team, he's walking into the end zone. I was glad for Camp and Driscoll that they got another shot at that on the deep play that set up eventually the game-winning touchdown. So Johnny Johnson the third is a good one. I'm going to mix in Jalen Camp there. That's not my last stock up here, but I'm going to mix in. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to attach Jalen Camp as an honorable mention to your to your Johnny Johnson. This back end of the wide receiver position, John, has gotten very interesting throughout camp because I think Chad Beebe's done some things in camp. He didn't really get an opportunity to do much in the game on Saturday. Um, but the, the Weddington kid out of Stanford has done some, some good things. Um, and, and I don't think that – I don't think Philip Dorsett and Chris Moore are automatics to make this team. Uh, or Chris Conley. Chris Conley. Chris Conley's had a good camp, and he didn't play very much. It looks like he's getting the veteran treatment. Anybody who got the treatment where they're not in very much after the first quarter, I feel like is probably in pretty good shape to make this team. 
but yeah, Conley's body of work as a player overall says he should be fighting for his job. It just seems like he's at a, he's at a pretty good camp, but yeah, throw his name in there too. That's one of the more interesting position battles. I will say that, and I'll use this as a segue into my fourth, into our fourth stock up the last one. I think the other one that's shaping up very interesting is the defensive line. And I'm going to give a stock up to the overall pass rush of the the backup unit in there. Okoronkwo with a couple sacks. Derek Rivers with a couple sacks. My boy, Big Heine, getting a sack, John. Kurt Heinish had a sack and did some good things in the run game. Um, so I'm, my fourth stock up is just the overall athleticism and, and burst and pass rush from that second unit, which was a big reason why they wound up winning that game on Saturday. Uh, Derek Rivers had two sacks. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Brian Cashman, the linebacker. Yes. He was the only veteran that Nick Casario gave up a pick for in the offseason. He came from the Jets. He tied another linebacker, Jalen Reeves, maybe for the team lead with seven tackles. But Cashman can run. He can cover. And that's what they want. They look like, Sean, they got some depth at linebacker this year. They did not have last season. Yep. I have Cashman. John, I do a 53-man roster prediction each week, and I feel good. I actually had Cashman on my 53 going into that game because of some of the things he'd done in practice. And, yeah, he's, he's, making, a, he's making a nice push. Do you, feel, do you feel better at this point before we get into stock down? Do you feel better overall at this point about the, the offense or the defense with this team or neither? Well, that's a hard one. I would say the defense just because of the sacks, but they did it against – back up although Ian Book played a lot last year yeah and Dalton should look good a veteran quarterback who's been in as many camps as he did should be able to take a team down the field the way he did but considering the defense was awful you know the thing I feel best about right now is the running game because Mm -hmm. of Damian Pierce but with depth at linebacker they seem to have more depth in the line and a new secondary I think people got to feel good about the defense too but man they play against some great quarterbacks. They do. They do. They, they, it's, it's a rough sketch. I think the ceiling's higher for the defense right now, just based on the depth and the fact that to, you, you, the, the two top picks that you feel good about right now, Kenyon Green hasn't gotten into, he hasn't been in a practice in two weeks. <clears throat> I think I feel pretty good that Stingley <clears throat> is going to be a, a good player for this team. And we've seen Jalen Petrie. So I would say defense if it were me. All right, let's get to stock down, John. And I'll let you start with that one. Four things with this team coming off just based purely on Saturday, the performance on Saturday, um, four stock down. Who are some guys that or position groups, whatever, that could use a little bit of improvement based on Saturday's performance? My first one is Davis Mills. He came out, he played, he was three of three for like 14 yards. They didn't get a first down. They looked terrible. So I would have to say Davis Mills. We He'll get more playing time in a second preseason game against the Rams and then a little more in the last preseason game against the Niners. So his stock is down after that first game with only one direction to go. Yeah, I, I would say mine, and the mine is kind of a, an adjunct to Mills, but I'll call it my first stock down. Just the, <clears throat> the overall cohesiveness of the offensive line. <clears throat> not, I don't, not necessarily throughout the game, but the, the backup unit, Backup, backup unit. The second half, the offensive line was fine, blocking for Pierce and protecting Jeff Driscoll. They did a decent job. But the the unit that was in front of Davis Mills um, was real shoddy. I mean, the, you know, they, they were giving up tackles for loss. There was there were holding penalties. Um, there, there were, you know, there were all kinds of things that put them behind the chains. 
every third down they had while that first unit was in there was I think the first three third downs they had were all third and double digits. And it was largely because of the offensive line with the caveat that Laramie Tunsil wasn't out there. Justin Britt wasn't out there. We expect Kenyon Green to become a player for this team. So three of the five guys, three of the five spots along that offensive line were being manned by guys who um, we don't expect to be in the starting lineup when this team is playing meaningful games. And Titus Howard only played a series, but I was hoping that with some of those guys, that unit, it, it's, you know, it's pretty much a given. Those guys are all going to make the team or be in competition to make the team towards the end of camp. It did not look good. So um, that's, that's my first stock down is just the, the offensive line, the, 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 the starting unit in that game on, on Saturday is a stock down for me. Terrible. And Jalen Green, I mean, Kenyon Green doesn't get back to practice. He's not going to be starting that first game. No. And he's not practicing, and he's way behind. And another thing, even though as a backup, Charlie Hack started a lot of games. Justin McCray, who has moved ahead of Max Sharping and is left guard, and he's the backup center. He started a lot of games. So, to me, it was inexcusable uh, because they had – they weren't – it wasn't like they were playing – bad players or third stringers and those backups look better than they did. So I agree with you hundred percent. My second one is uh, Marlon Mack. Now the first carry minus two yards hit in the backfield is not his fault, but uh, because that's just the way it was last year. Now, if you think about it, Sean, with the starting unit they had out there, it was more of the same last year. You mentioned Mills having third and long, that's second, third and long, which was what he faced most of the time, and you hope that won't happen when Damian Pierce is starting and you have all your starters in the line. Remember, they started 12 different offensive linemen last year because of injuries, COVID-19, and ineptness, and you'd like to see them have some kind of stability. But Mack had three carries for six yards, and maybe if he'd have been the third back after him and Dario Gumbawale, like uh, Damian Pierce was, he'd have been looking as good as Pierce, but I don't think so. Do you think that Lovey Smith switches up the order that they go in the game on on uh, Friday against the Rams? You think he sh- he shifts that around, or you think Pierce is back in the third back in like he was the first time around? Boy, I have no idea. I know this. I'd run Pierce. I wouldn't give him the ball more than four or five times. A game. Agreed. I mean, he looks ready to play right now. Yeah. There's no need to take a chance on him getting hurt because if he gets hurt and he's not against going against the Colts they're in trouble. Yeah. And so I don't know if they'd move him up a spot or not, uh, maybe by the last game, but they've, they've, the other guys got to be able to run too. Yep. No doubt. Uh, all right. The last stock down, John, I'm going to give to uh, uh, a safety and it's a safety who I'm shocked is still on this team. I was shocked. They extended him, but had a couple plays in this game that if he's doing this in the regular season, it's going to be a big problem. And it's Eric Murray, uh, Eric Murray, uh, in the first half of the game had a chance for a, a tackle. I can't remember if it was a TFL. He had a chance for at least to, to stop a play cold that would have put the Saints in a bad down and distance situation, but he badly whiffed on a tackle that resulted in the ball carrier getting about Matador. 10, or, 10, or 10, 10 or 12 more. That's exactly what it was. It was an Olay play, John. Olay! Um, and, then, uh, and then on another play where he, he actually was in position to make the play, and he brought the ball carrier down, but he he pulled him down with his face mask and completely nullified what could have been a great play. And that's really all I saw out of Eric Murray. John, I'm still shocked he's on this team. 
I'm shocked that Nick Casario kind of redid money to keep him around. I, I was looking up his contract after those couple of plays, like, all right, what's Eric Murray's chances of not being on this team? The redo of his contract makes it more expensive to cut him than to keep him at this point. He's super expensive to cut next year. He's still got a year left on his contract, but it's kind of an empty year. Um, but uh, I don't know how competitive the safety position is right now. It's not like they've got a ton of bodies at that position. So between the lack of depth at that position and the fact that his contract makes it more expensive to cut him than to keep him, Eric Murray's going to be on this team. But uh, I didn't see anything on Saturday night, nor have I seen anything really during training camp that makes me get off of my stance with Eric Murray, which is why not just get rid of him? Then, we, then we're rid of all of the O'Brien overspend sludge on this roster. You know, then we're, then we're really moving on. Eric Murray is a walking reminder of that crazy offseason where O'Brien just went bananas trading DeAndre Hopkins and signing a bunch of mid-tier and lower-tier players to frontline money. That's that. So, so Eric Murray, based solely on two plays and a lot of baggage, emotional baggage that I have over the last two years, is my our last stock down. And those contracts were negotiated by Jack Easterby. Yes. Who, by the way, was not on the sideline for the first time since he was hired in 2019. He was up in the booth, not wearing, not wearing headsets, of course, and providing advice for Lovey Smith and Pep Hamilton. But uh, Murray does something they like, Sean. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Maybe it's behind the scenes. You know, he flashed a little bit last season. I thought he was better last season than the season before. And considering you have Petrie and Jonathan Owens as your starter, and Jonathan has very little experience, maybe that's why Murray's around. Experience. Okay. So, the, and then you know what? And, and John, if that's the MO that they're going with, and we know that they are, we know like in the linebacker room, you got Kirksey and Kamu Gruger Hill who are there to tutor Christian Harris. We know we've got veterans along the defensive line now with Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. They're there to tutor Jonathan Grenard and Ross Blacklock and Thomas Booker and Kurt Heinish and on and on and on. You know, Damian Pierce himself said it in his post game. Uh, media session where he brought up proactively brought up Rex Burkhead and the experienced guys in that room that are the quote village that are raising him. Those are his words right now, the village raising Damian Pierce. I'll take that as an explanation. I just don't need to see Eric Murray out there getting significant snaps at safety this year. That's all. That's how I feel. My favorite line that you've had so far in this podcast, John, is Eric Murray does something they like. I'm not sure exactly what it is. That's a- I don't think anybody knows. <laughs> it's just, if we were to transcribe this podcast, that sentence would look so ridiculous. And it's true. It's You're 100% correct. I, I, can't, I can't figure it out. All right, so there's your stock up and your stock down from the uh, – from the game on Saturday, John, anything we missed, any other cleanup items you want to uh, sweep into the mix here before we move on to some of the other things? Uh, they held out 12 players and I mentioned earlier, eight starters. And I think that was good. We didn't need to see any of those guys. A couple were because of injuries like Kenya and green. And when they traded up to get him in the first round, did they trade up or down? They, they traded they back from 13 Traded back to yeah. 13 to 15 to get Kenyon Green, because they knew they could, they did it with the idea that he was going to be a starter. And he looked looked early on like he was out of shape. So they really need for him to come on. And I think the toughest cut, based on everything we've talked about on our podcast and things that we see at practice every day, is going to be wide receiver. A couple yes. of those guys 
And some of the guys we've talked about are going to be destined for the practice squad. And, um, and, but some of them, as we mentioned, Brian Cashman, Jalen Reeves, maybe, maybe who led team in tackles or some of these guys coming on. And I can't wait to see when Garrett Wallow gets back, mm-hmm. Christian Harris, when he gets back, you know, they've got a lot of talented young players. And once Stingley gets on the field, I'm guessing they'll play him a little in this game against the Rams, then a little more against the Niners. And, and, and he, he has everything it takes to be a big time player. He just looks the part and he needs the experience because when he gets in there in that first game, uh, you know, Matt Ryan is going to be doing a lot of play action with Jonathan Taylor, and he's going to throw that ball down the field. People expect Stingley to make big plays right off the bat since he was third overall pick. Yep. Looks the part we'll see, and he's got to make it happen in the games. All right. So that's, uh, that's our recap of the Texans 17, 13 win over the Saints. 